1: Give it up for a team's a bunch of badasses if you know what I mean. They're coming out of the sky, out of the sea, and yeah, no on land, gonna take it to the enemy. Lock it boys. Time to explode, boys. Make sure you get home, boys. They got your back, the bride of the fleets, the bright swinging men of the UDT. Hey, folks, this
0: is Commander Mark Devon very sunny, and city California, with the Unbeatable Mind podcast, and I'm super stoked to have another fantastic guest, Uh, is Charlie Brenneman, a.k.a. the Spaniard, who's a lover and a fighter and a UDT, no, I'm sorry, that's, um, that's, (laughs) who's a teacher, author, and professional MMA fighter, wow, so we're going to talk about how you went from the classroom to the mat, and uh, and and talk about your book. Uh, he's an author of "Driven: My Unlikely Journey from Classroom to Cage." How cool is that? So it sounds like we're going to hear a little bit of that story. Welcome. Nice to meet you.
1: I appreciate it, Mark. And I have to say, you know, I'm a a hypothetical warrior. You know, I've been a wrestler and a fighter my whole life, and and there are there is no one I respect more than Navy SEALs. So it's 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 really an honor to you know to one be introduced to your podcast and your book. I'm in the middle of it. You know, so this is a really neat thing for me. So I appreciate you having me on.
0: Yeah, it's our pleasure. You know, uh,
1: we're near and dear
0: to any warrior tradition here in Unveiled Mind. You know, as you saw from or you're seeing in the book, it, I have a 25-year martial arts history myself, and I'm an yep. Navy and a Navy SEAL. And it's an unusual combination, which has really allowed sure. me to kind of communicate this stuff in a different way, right? And um, but so tell us where where you're from. You just said you're from Pennsylvania. might my. my <laughs> I was laughing earlier, guys, when when I got on this. I thought literally that Charlie was a Spaniard because his name is the Spaniard and he looks (laughs) like a Spaniard. (laughs) But he's from Pennsylvania of all places.
1: Yeah, you know, that's funny. I get that a lot. My mom is is of Italian descent, so that's where I get my dark hair and curls, etc. But uh, yeah, I, I started out a wrestler. I've done it my whole life. And I was telling you when I got to college, my, my coaches were such fun guys. They just, they, they were jokesters. They just had a fun program and they gave us all nicknames. And because I was a Spanish major and because I was soon to be a Spanish teacher, you know, start off Antonio Banderas and then morphed into the Spaniard. So that's, that's who I am.
0: (laughs) That's terrific. And so you were, um, where do you live now? Are you still in Pennsylvania?
1: I'm in central Pennsylvania. Yeah. My, my journey, you know, literally from, from the classroom to the octagon, it, it, Took me from Pennsylvania to Eastern Pennsylvania to New York and New Jersey, and then back to uh, the Harrisburg area in Pennsylvania. Okay,
0: so you you started out your like professional career as a teacher teaching Spanish. Yeah, is that, is that something you still do? I
1: I don't actually teach now. I'm I'm dedicated full time. You know, I was fighting for close to a decade, and now I'm getting into professional speaking. So I've spent you know that this transitional period really forming my program and my message and. You know, figuring out uh, figuring out the business, attacking, speaking like I attack professional fighting. Right. Yeah, a lot of similarities. Uh, well, you know the 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 entrepreneurial attitude and the produce or there's no bread on the table. It's pretty similar. Yeah,
0: it really is. So, um, what while you were um, teaching Spanish, uh, were you like sneaking out of the classroom to get a workout in, or going to the going to the mat room every evening or what was your life like then when
1: you first got in you know it's it's pretty interesting because when i look back on it if you look at me you know you can see a headshot of me now but i I'm, i say still to this day after 27 professional fights i say i'm the farthest thing from a fighter what i am is a wrestler and i was able to pivot leverage whatever those abilities into a professional fighting career and get and have success in the ufc so I, I was not this my whole life. You know, I ran from fights. I didn't want to fight. I was afraid of authority. I was afraid of hurting somebody. I was never really afraid of getting hurt, but I didn't want to get in trouble for something stupid. So I always sheared away from it. But when I was teaching and when I finished my my collegiate wrestling career, I just got bored with the normalcy of of you know my relatively normal life. I was still training, lifting weights and ran a marathon but i just needed something more i needed a bigger sense of purpose and and that's what led me ultimately to pursuing professional fighting
0: yeah what what was that do you remember the moment or or like period where you kind of got the idea to step into the ring
1: <laughs> yeah it's uh, i can pinpoint it to in between class you know i don't i don't remember the date but a friend of mine frankie edgar who was a ufc champion and and who is of ufc fame now currently still fighting I remember in between classes, I signed on online and I saw an article that said Frankie Edgar had just signed to the UFC. And that was the first time in my life that I thought, whoa, wait a minute. We're similar. If he can do that, I can probably do that. And that was when the seed was was planted. Right.
0: Now, was he a wrestler with you or how did you sign?
1: Know? Yeah, Frankie wrestled. So I'm, I'm from Pennsylvania. Like I said, I wrestled at Lock Haven University and Frankie wrestled in the same conference at Clarion University. So we, we had known each other and come across each other.
0: Now, did you have martial arts experience as well? I mean, did, where did you pick up the the striking and the kicking
1: part? Yeah, well, I did not have that at all. My naysayers would say I still don't have that. You know, twenty seven fights into my career, but you know, I'm heavily a grappler and a jiu-jitsu guy. But uh, it would, you know, it's tough for me to pick up. But it, just like anything, man, you have a goal, you have an objective. People always say, like, how do I do it? How do it? Well, you do it by spending the last ten years doing it every single day, and that that's essentially what I did was. Went to class number one, had the worst form of kicking and punching in the class, and I just stuck at it. Ten years later, I'm a little bit better.
0: (laughs) Was there an MMA class, and did you have a mentor who helped guide you toward the ring?
1: I did. You know, I'm I'm from a small town in central Pennsylvania, and still in Pennsylvania, the level of mixed martial arts training is not extremely high. So that's what drove me to to New York and New Jersey to to be around literal world champions, the best in the business. So where I'm from. We didn't have any big names, but absolutely I had, had mentors who were uh, – they were corrections officers, twin brothers, Dave and Darcy Regala, who really took me in. And they took me – You know, the awesome thing about them and any mentor, if you're a mentor or, or you've been mentored, is they took me as far as they could take me. And then it was almost as if it was like, a, you know what, Charlie, if you want to pursue other avenues, we completely understand. You know, it was it was a really neat kind of rite of passage that
0: they didn't try to hold on to you and hold you
1: back. That's cool. That's the truest sign of a of a, a truly good selfless person. Absolutely.
0: Wow. So in the early days, I don't imagine you were making much money. I mean, that must have been a, quite a struggle to, you know, to, to dedicate that much time training and to live in a city where you weren't able to you know, just plug into the school system and. You're probably substitute teaching. What, what were you doing to, to make a living and to make this
1: all work? Yeah, so early in my career, as I was teaching, I taught for three years, and during that time, I was on a reality sh- TV. It was called Pros versus Joes, and, and you were the Joe. I was yeah. At that time, I was a Joe. I was a teacher. I hadn't done anything yet, and uh, I ended up winning. So it was twenty thousand dollars, and I got at that time a brand new two thousand seven Dodge Caliber. So. I was living at home during those three, during those three years, living with my parents. And so I was able to save money. I, I essentially had no expenses. Then I won the show. So then it was like an extra after taxes. It was 10 grand and a brand new car. So I took that with me in the transitional period to grad school. And I was able to live for about a year or more off of that money. And then my third professional, third, fourth, and fifth professional fight, I ended up making like, you know, pennies on my, I made $700 my first fight and uh, my second, third, and fourth, it was like $1,000, 1500 My fourth fight, I made almost $14,000 because I got, I, 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 fell into a great situation, and I won a big tournament. So that kind of set me up for the next two years. Mm-hmm. Terrific. That's pretty yeah, interesting. Worked out. Just one
0: brick at a time, just like anything else, right? Absolutely. You're an instant success after 10 years. Of- <laughs>
1: exactly, right? Perfect, right? Just happened.
0: That's awesome. Tell me about... Um, Let's talk about the, the, you know, the world of MMA. You know, what are
1: what are the people like? What's the training like? What are the highs and lows? You know, that's an excellent question, and it's so diverse. The thing about mixed martial arts, you know, the so UFC MMA they're different. UFC is the promotion, MMA is the sport. I got it. Okay. You know, the UFC is like the NFL per se. But it's a very it's kind of like the Wild West. You know, this is a professional sport, this is a professional organization who's less than fifteen years old, right? So they're figuring it out. We're figuring it out as fighters. You know, what rights do we have? We have no rights, you know. It, it, you know, I don't want to say no rights. We don't have a lot of rights compared to other professional sports. You have the right not
0: to be intentionally killed, basically. That's probably
1: it. This is accurate. <laughs> that is accurate. <laughs> um, you know, so it, it, it's very diverse you know the people in general are are generally good people i haven't met many fighters who are jerks or punks you know they get they get weeded out pretty quick because it's interesting
0: because that's the image that the u.s yeah. sometimes portray you know those those hotheads
1: and, yeah but those and, guys
0: aren't the ones who make it the long.
1: no and and you know they're a dime a dozen they're your mark zuckerbergs you know guys like conor mcgregor who who is the hot item right now there's one of him you know It's 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 not standard practice so it's the general consensus is good. You know the fans are rough. Uh, the fans are extremely rough. It, 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 it took me. You know, it taught me a lot about people and and what to value and what to discard. Because man, you put your you put your 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 neck on the line out there. And, and again, talking to a Navy SEAL, talking to your community, uh, it, it, you know, it's not really putting my neck on the line, but relatively. More than and than most people. Yeah, exactly. And and then man, people just show you no gratitude. It's like it, it it was rough for a long, long time to deal with. It really uh thickens your skin. What kind of things would they do? just lack a respect so, or, or what, what are the, how do they show up? So keep in mind we're I'm competing against the best fighters in the world. If 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 you've known or if you know the UFC, you know, I fought Johnny Hendricks. I fought Anthony Johnson, I fought Eric Silva, all of the like literally the top one, two, three, four, five in the world. And on one particular fight, I got knocked out cold, right? It was a fight that I probably should have won. You know, I say I should have won. I, I'm confident I beat the guy eight out of ten times. Well, on that night, I didn't. That night, I had my left hand down. He came over him with the right, knocked me out cold, concussed me. I was, I was out cold for a couple seconds. That following Tuesday, right, is when the headache really set in. And I remember laying on my couch. I couldn't care for my daughter. I couldn't I couldn't babysit my daughter. So my, my in-laws had to come over, had to take my daughter, saw me writhing in pain on the couch. And I was looking at my stinking Twitter, and there were people it, – it, it, it. they were saying the meanest, you suck, you're terrible, you should be embarrassed for yourself. You're an embarrassment to the sport. I mean it like – I, I use this analogy. It was like I took all the puppies in the world, put them in a bag, and punted that bag. <laughs> that was – yeah, that's how much hate I got. And I'm like, guys, I just got knocked out. I didn't do anything. You know, I just I'm the feel bad for me, you know? But that's the a good example of the ruthlessness of the sport. It's ruthless. Holy cow, you fucking killer. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: So, was that was that your hardest fight or was that just a,
1: an anomaly? That was an anomaly. No, it certainly like I said, I mean, I did great the first round, left the second round. He and his coaches did a great job, and and they capitalized on an error. Um, you know, I fought monsters. I've, You know, this guy named Anthony Johnson, I fought at 170 pounds. If you don't know him, look him up. He now fights at 205 pounds. And there's, there's a picture of us. Five weeks before we fought, right? Five weeks before we fought, he weighed 230 pounds. And I weighed 180 pounds. Five weeks later, he weighed 170 pounds, and I weighed 170 pounds. Good lord. No exaggeration. Google Charlie Brenneman Anthony Johnson.
0: How do you possibly lose that much mass in that short of time?
1: Nobody knows. It's a mystery. Honestly, this is – he's an anomaly in the sport. And he has since bumped up, uh, won two weight classes, and fights at 205 pounds. I see. So –
0: So – was that a I mean how did that go
1: for you it didn't go well <laughs> he's uh, he's a super tough guy he uh he stopped me he did knock me out he hit me hard uh, several times he kicked me if you've ever seen uh tommy boy not so much here not so much here but right about here he kicked me kicked me right in the chin knocked me on my butt the ref jumped in and i wasn't out i was still i i had my hands up but it is what it is the ref was doing his job you know that was that was probably my toughest that's the only fight that I thought ouch this really hurts that's how strong he was really wow yeah have you
0: ever been really besides that concussion any uh, any major
1: injuries uh, yeah um actually I was training with Frankie Edgar and another buddy of mine named Chris Liguori and we were training in Jersey um South Jersey and it was really hot it was like 100 degrees in the gym and my buddy Chris threw a kick and you can see me now but for the listeners moving my hand he came down right in my eye socket and you know when you're sparring as i don't know in you know the martial arts that you've done but you know you generally try to pull your kicks pull your punches you're not trying to knock anyone out he pulled his kick just enough that it it barely just skimmed my eyeball and it 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 shattered my my eye socket so i had a blowout fracture and i immediately lost vision in my left eye i talk about this in my book in detail but i lost vision in my left eye i thought i was i thought my eyeball was outside of my head that's the yeah, it, that's the pain. And it was pure black. I saw nothing. So, you know, fast forward, a lot of stuff, a lot of time, a lot of rehab. Uh, I had surgery and had double vision for a long time. And, you know, now I'm almost as good as new. have a nice scar above my eye, but. Your eyesight is back on Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I was very fortunate. Yeah, no kidding.
0: Wow, interesting. And so what about, um, what's your record? I mean, like, where do you stand in the sport? Uh,
1: I've as of now I'm hearing about the whole sport. I mean I think it's cool. That's all right. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people aren't familiar with it. I I have a 19 and 8 record, professional record. And that's okay. And that that's in mixed martial arts. 11 of those fights are in the UFC and 7 of those losses are in the UFC. So, you know, I'm I'm I can comfortably say I'm one of the best in the world, but amongst the other best in the world, I'm um I'm, I'm middle of the pack best in the world. You know, there are there are guys who are much better than me, but and the I'm UFC able to, is the
0: best in the world. They only sign yeah the
1: best. yeah the UFC is is the best I mean it's like you're a kid you want to play basketball in Europe or do you want to play in the NBA you know that's
0: so are there other leagues or they're just like local organiz, local matches here and there
1: there's both you know there's local there's local organizations and then it generally works on local regional and then national slash international and the UFC is is the biggest international brand, and then below that is a company called Bellator. Those are kind of the the top two. Okay.
0: Wow, that's fascinating. So you're still actively fighting? Yeah. You How know. How long do you think this will go on?
1: Well, uh, let me let me uh, preface that a little bit. I'm not retired. So what the situation I'm in? I'm 34. I've been released from the UFC. Other or other, I've lost my last three fights. Right. So other big promotions look at me and say, "Well, you've lo- lost your last three fights. Uh we you know, we don't we don't want you right now. Win a few fights." But to win a few of those fights, I got to go back to the local circuit. And after having experienced everything and been where I've been in the in the in the sport professionally, I'm not sure that the the juice is worth the squeeze. Um so I'm that's why I've really focused on forming my my journey from teaching to fighter into a, a package and, and really pursuing professional speaking. So if the fighting pops up, I'll take it. But so not, for like now, consumer, you know, I'm, bigger, like more yeah, so now I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm all in on, on speaking. Right. Well, cool. we'll come back
0: to that a little bit. Tell us about, like, getting ready for a fight. Let's, let's get into the kind of the mental, emotional preparation. Yeah. What were your strategies? How did that go for you?
1: When you, you know, I learned something throughout my wrestling career i I never knew, and I love absolutely love and and, and I'll reference it as I continue to speak and learn and, and talk to a lot of people. I love your perspective on mental toughness. You know, when I was a kid growing up in high school and then almost throughout college, I, I, mental toughness was a thing, right? It was like you were mentally tough or you weren't. But what I learned and obviously what you know from reading your book is like mental toughness is the result of like strategies and principles. Like by doing certain things, you indirectly become mentally tough. So for me, it all went into the preparation, you know. It, it it was the comfortability and the peace of mind of knowing that I physically couldn't have done one more thing. I had a few small workouts of mine that only took maybe 20, 25 minutes, but they literally would get me to the brink of of feeling like a heart attack, right? And I had a system of, you know, I got to do these twice a week, starting five weeks out from my fight. I do these twice a week, and that was basically my guarantee that, okay, Charlie, you're ready for this. And then through that preparation, you know, I was able to go into to competition with a clear mind and, and not worry. Right. Am I in shape? Am I in shape? Say that again?
0: Those workouts mirror the rhythm and
1: time. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's you know, a lot of inter- interval, a lot of uh, a lot of ebb and flow, so yeah.
0: It reminds me of CrossFit's fight gone bad. Yeah.
1: Five <laughs> one-minute rounds, max effort. That's basically, you know, I, I broke mine down into 30-30. Yeah. So I do 15 minutes, you know, 30, 30 balls to the wall, 30 rest, 30 balls, you know, so it's along those lines.
0: Yeah, yeah, this is five times of five different exercises, max effort for a minute, move right to the next exercise,
1: max effort. Yeah, and that's 20, that's 25 minutes. That's it, and and you're like, boom. It's,
0: it's three rounds, but we would do five, and there's different versions, three and five.
1: And yeah. So
0: that type of training is really mental, isn't it? So, like mental, emotional, the physical part's there, obviously, yeah. but it's such a suck fest. That-
1: and I'm I'm not trying, I'm really not trying to butter you up right now, but I'm in, I'm, I'm probably three-fourths the way through your book, and I love the, you know, how you talk of, of the, uh, the, I think it's the warrior ethos, uh, one, one body, one, my one day, one mind. just being a complete training, a complete balanced one day person. Right. Yeah. To just take on, like I, I tell, I work with a lot of kids and I just tell them, look, I'm trying to prepare you for life, like for whatever, like every unexpected that's going to come your way. I want you to be mentally and physically prepared for it. So that that's kind of how I approach my training later in my career when I you know, when I had the experience to know those things.
0: It sounds to me that, you know, as you're getting your speaking career going and whatnot, that that you'd find a lot of passion in mentoring and teaching, you know, these types of principles to, you know, younger, either younger athletes or or just general population. Is that something you're trying to get into?
1: (laughs) It's funny. It's almost like you just heard the conversation I had with, with one of my mentors. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, Along the lines of what we talked about before, you know, you mentioned principles and, and guidelines. I, for as long as I can remember, I've been taking notes and I formed my my ethos. You know, the, the way I live my life, and I have elements of excellence, and I have functions for success. And as I'm developing my speaking career, yeah, I'm, I'm taking on kids in one on one and small groups and sharing this. And it's not rocket science. Like it, it's probably similar things that you've done every day of your life. Are the, Living with accountability, you know, honing your habits, surrounding yourself with the right team—all of these things that you know people want the the easy answer, but it's not. It's doing the simple things every single day for years and years and years. Right. It's hard to boil it down to one thing unless that one thing is to do the work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that that poof. That's it. Oh, that's it. Yep. That's all it. right. <laughs> <laughs> what, all right. Know? See you later, Mark. <laughs>
0: So besides these short, intense, you know, gut-busting workouts that gave you a lot of, you know, mental and emotional confidence that you're going to be able to go the distance, what other strategies did you use before, let's say, a week out and then, let's say, 15 minutes out from the fight? What was going on in your mind and and what what were you doing to prepare?
1: Uh So taking it – let's start with a week out. That's when I personally – I come from a wrestling mentality. So in mixed martial arts, it's mixed because there's a lot of different backgrounds. I come from the wrestling standpoint, the wrestling perspective where it's like it's guns blazing, right? Guns blazing. You cut weight the night before. You cut weight a half hour before the match. You weigh in. You wrestle. It's like there's no downtime. So a lot of guys, different disciplines, would kind of back off maybe 10 days out or even two weeks out where they kind of try to – to bring it down a little bit. That last week of training, I would, without a doubt, decrease the amount of physical stress on my body. You know, the punching or the kicking, that kind of thing. But I would up the cardio. And like I said, this, this killer workout that I talk about, I, I would up that. So it was like less quantity, but the intensity was the same. So that's in terms of the, the, the training. In terms of the, the mindset, you know, that last week I was always sure to be around only feel-good people listen to only feel good things like music or television or, you know, any surroundings. So it was putting that around me and, uh, and then leading into my, my fights, it was, I use like clear mind. I use that, that saying, or that idea of a clear mind. It was very peaceful, right? I wasn't, I, I very rarely did I think about what I was doing, you know, prior to the fight, I would sit there, I would relax. I wouldn't really think about what I was about to do because at that point I was already at peace. And later in my career, you know, I I got into mantras and and using them. But really, it was just absence of thought, really, is what made me perform my best. Absence of thought.
0: That's cool. That empty vessel, that's
1: the wisdom and the training kind of flow. You know what I explain it to an analogy? So, um, I don't mind flying, flying's whatever to me, but I equate fighting, you know, especially in the UFC, like a, a, a predetermined fight. I equate that to getting in an airplane. It's like when you get in an airplane and you fashion, fasten your seatbelt, it's like ev- everything's done. It's now out of your hands. And like when I'm fighting, it's like, Charlie, everything's done. You know, you're here. So boom, whatever, just go. And then that's when that, you know, muscle memory and practice really kicks in.
0: Right. Did you have any strategies for after the fight? You know, the <laughs> recapitulation you maybe read about. Did you do anything
1: like that? Yeah. So what I do in my system, and I was just talking about this the other day, it's like win or lose. Okay, so I, the biggest fight of my life was back in 2011, and I, I became – I was – you know, an underdog. And I became ranked number seven in the world. And it was truly a a real life Rocky story. So compare that to getting knocked out and that being my worst experience. It's like, they're the most powerful emotions that I've ever experienced. Right? So my process was either win or lose. I took seven days to either bask in my pity or bask in my you know, whatever, my you euph- eu- you, whatever euphoric state, you know, and then on that eighth day, it was like hands clean, boom, onto the next one. So I-, I had to make a conscious decision of get back in the gym and stop stuffing your face and feeling good or conversely, stop feeling like a little baby man up and get back in the gym. And that was generally a seven, you know, seven, 10 day period.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking, wow, it took a long time for you to process that. But, you know, it's probably about right. It's like the grief process, you know, one
1: one day for yep. every step of the process. Exactly. <laughs> so, and the, the I'm, process. It's terrible, man. When you when I, when I lose a fight like that, I'm thinking about now, like, waking up in the middle of the night and all I see is their stupid face and their stupid name, and it's like, ha ah, but, but there's nothing you can do but just time. No, it's and that's it. Right. Fascinating. Fascinating.
0: So with um, – with this book, did you have to like, you know? Write, I've written a few books, as you know, and, and it's you know it's kind of like a fight, right? Yeah, but you're fighting yourself, right? So is this since you don't have an opponent anymore, um, has it you know caused you to to learn some new things about how to, you know, how to fight, you know, how to fight for completion of a project like a book and how to fight for, you know, the strategies obviously transfer, but you got to move yeah. it from en- extrinsic motivation, you know, because you've got a target to attack to yeah. something much more, you know, ethereal, something much more vague. And that's a, that's a vision for your future. Now, how did that work for you?
1: Yeah. So, you know, to touch on that, to encompass all of that, you know, the book and, and, and speaking, et cetera, it, it really, it was a mind shift. It was because truly I, I get the same satisfaction, you know, I, I blog regularly. I, I wrote a book, I do a lot of speaking I get the same satisfaction out of doing that as I do fighting because it's all an expression of myself. It's an expression, it's the ability to perform and that at the root of me is what I like to do. I like to perform and I like to inspire people. So, you know, writing the book, it was it was just a mindset. I wasn't getting up and going to the gym, right? I wasn't training my butt off to inspire someone in the octagon. It was like I sat down at my table and I was lonely and I was writing my feelings because I knew, hey, at the end of the day, this is a performance. Like it's a, it's a closed performance. It's a package. It's here. This is my story. So that was really my motivation. And and when I, you know, wake up early and I work all day and it, it, it's not to get inside a cage. I mean, I still train and hope to get inside a cage, but it's more so for the bigger picture and, 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 a lot of people have said it, you know, but the some along the, the the idea of of the quickest path to, to success is giving to others or you'll find happiness when you give. It, it's like I'm at that phase where it makes me feel good to share my knowledge and experience because not everybody has it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, well said. So tell us, the book, um, again, the title is Driven My Unlikely Journey from Classroom to Cage. Nick, obviously, you can find it on Amazon and
1: stuff like that. Yeah, yep. You can get it on Amazon, and as well, I have. Uh, if you'd like me to sign it, I have it for sale on my uh, website store. You know, so both of those links are on my website. And what's your website? My website is charlie com. If you have any trouble with the spelling, just Google Spaniard UFC, and and you'll be drawn to me.
0: Well, cool. So, what are like if if you could distill the, the most powerful three takeaways or tips or you know, bits of advice that you offer from your book, what would they be?
1: Well, you know, my book is, is the story of my journey and it's, uh, you know, without, I think my story often, and, and I've been told by people in the speaking industry, you know, you need to niche down, you need to narrow down and and pick your specific audience. But I mean, really my audience, someone who will appreciate this book is someone who appreciates setting goal, setting and pursuing goals. And, Uh, the one thing that I've learned in that process of setting and pursuing goals is that uh, you can't wait on anyone else. If you want something, you've got to do it. I mean, I've had a great manager. I I have my brother is the most supportive person in the world, but all of those people have their life. I have my life. If I want to get a book done, I have to do it. And through that process, you end up building a team. So the biggest thing that I want to say is, is, Start with a small action, and action begets action. Regardless of how big that vision or that goal is, if you don't start on, you know, action number one, it's never going to happen. That is
0: so true. That is so true. Now, you're familiar with our Kokoro Camp. Kokoro. Camp? Kokoro Camp. Have you ever heard
1: of that? I ha- in the book, I have, but I, I know I'm not very familiar with it.
0: Well, it's uh I'd like to invite you out to us
1: someday. It's uh it's kind of our preeminent training okay.
0: on the SEAL fit side of the fence.
1: This is because I heard about it from uh is this what Larry would have done? Yeah. Yep, absolutely.
0: So, so it's uh, fifty hours of nonstop fifty hours of nonstop training. And it's very team focused, but you don't need a team to come, you know, obviously you'll you'll find your team
1: there. Yeah.
0: And it's based upon the Navy SEALs Hell Week. Awesome. And, and I think that you would absolutely love this training. So I like guess I guess sometime, but you know, just let me know when you're ready. You you don't uh, you're you're ready, but you know you might want to yeah like bone up for it by doing some rucking and
1: some more pull-ups and you know things that you. <laughs> well, I'll do my research on what I need to do to prepare for it, and I think that would be awesome. They, uh, honest, honestly, and I'm not like again, I'm not buttering you up, but since I've been a kid, I've been infatuated with Navy SEALs. My brother was in the military; he's a JAG attorney. I, i've just always like scott tell me about have you met any seals have you told me you know, so i'm just i'm fascinated with with the, the mentality the discipline the i mean everything i don't even know three-fourths of it but yeah, i'm still start, fascinated start by it videos at sealfit.com
0: and you'll see that all of our coaches are, are navy seals a lot of them are active duty um instructors down at the seal training buds and um you know we have a very unique process and um, you know our, our it's a crucible meaning it's a it's a test where you're gonna kind of smelt your character and come out a different, stronger person, and also it helps you kind of clarify what's important, right? So we say you have to know your why when you you know join. You can't be voluntold to join. You have to really come in with a strong why.
1: Yeah,
0: and um, especially guys in transition like you, it helps you. You know, it's an incredible experience to really cement in clarity around uh, your next major, you
1: know, initiative in life and how you're gonna make a bigger impact in the world. Well, that's awesome. My, I got, I got to tell you, my heart is my heart. I'm, 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 like, I feel like I'm getting ready for something. I thought my competition days were were over, but maybe I got to train harder for this.
0: Planted the seed.
1: <laughs>
0: Very cool. Anything else you'd like to say to the Unbealed mind family tribe? Um, you know, we just really appreciate your time and sharing your story. It's been awesome. Is anything else you'd like to share before we kind of sign off and move on? You
1: know, just that that I'm, you know, fortunate and grateful for for having been turned on to you, and and I I value and respect someone of your you know, just your experience—awesome. This has been a blast for me, man. I, I don't—you know—you can get my stuff. If you want to get my stuff, but I'm just excited to have have been here. You know, talking and shooting the breeze with, with the real deal. You know, so it's been great.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Congratulations on all your success. I know you're going to rock it as a speaker, and you probably have many other books and stuff down the road. Uh, I'd love to meet you. So when you're on the the West Coast, come and visit, and hopefully that will be. You know, on the grinder or in our uh, in
1: our control camp. 100%, man. I w- I would never give up a uh, you know an invitation like that. So sooner or later, I'll get there. If I got a maybe I'll rock it out to the West Coast from the East Coast. Just rock
0: out, that'll be awesome, <laughs> <laughs> Just I that. Talk to Mel. She'll 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 hook you up. We only run it five times a year,
1: but uh, you know, hey, awesome.
0: you got, we got one next weekend, so it's not, you,
1: know, you can jump into that. Fire in the fire. Well, based on what you said, man, I better start training. I'll talk to you in a couple of months.
0: <laughs> All, right. All right, Charlie. Super cool. Appreciate it very much. And uh, thank you. We'll talk to you again. Buddy.
1: Thanks, Mark. Thanks, everybody. Yeah,
0: yeah. All right, folks. That's it. Um, thanks again to Charlie, the Spaniard. Check out his, his book, Driven, My Unlikely Journey from the Classroom to the Cage, and his website, charlie com. And uh, as always, stay focused, train hard, do the work. If you're interested in it, we have a paperback edition of The Way of the Seal that just recently came out. It's available at Amazon. And also Kokoro Yoga, my, my newest book is coming out in April. It's available for pre-order at, on Amazon.com. I'm super excited about that. So we're kind of like peeling our yoga program out of uh, Seal Fit and Unveiled Mind and offering it up as a standalone. And It's pretty cool. We had to change the name from Warrior Yoga because I was trampling on uh, someone's trademark uh, unbeknownst to me so <clears throat> I'll, um, I'll play ignorant for that one <laughs> anyway so check those out and uh, yeah do the work, take care Charlie
1: thanks boys. time to explode boys make sure you get home boys they got your back, the pride of the fleets the bright swinging men of the UDT